And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck him up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to the Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Cavender, and with me as always is Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film, past or present, absolutely amazing or just pure rubbish. All that we ask of each other, don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. Hello, Mr. Cavender. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. <laughs> no complaints. You never have a complaint. I just, one of these days, I want to get a complaint from you. Mm, hurt my knee once. <laughs> no ingrown toenails or anything like that? No, I'm good, man. Mm. Easy peasy. Life's been good to me. I cannot complain. With all the horrors going on in this world and injustices, I have nothing to complain about. Yeah. Okay. You know what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna um, uh, draw it out from you. But uh, one of these days, one of these days, you're gonna have a complaint from me. Okay. My my complaint right now is there's so many things to watch on HBO Max that I can't decide. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> First world problems. We need that crying yeah. crying rich lady meme. <laughs> Jeez, I spent like 18 minutes trying to decide what to watch today. It's kind of like Netflix. I'll, I'll just scroll through and I'm like, oh, there's nothing to watch as there's like lit- literally a thousand things to watch. <laughs> oh, man. On my TV, the HBO Max app has a, a little click sound as I'm selecting and scrolling. I'm like, well, that just won't do. <laughs> can't, 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 can't do that. <laughs> so I got to pick an app. I got to pick something to watch like on my phone or on my computer and just add it to my little queue there and then. Do it on the TV because I hate that clicking sound. It's like when you're watching a movie and someone's using their phone and you hear the text messaging sound. It's like, what asshole has that on their phone? I apologize if you're one of those people, but it drives me insane. And the first thing I do when I get a brand new phone is just mute all sounds so I never have to hear anything. Did you, what what app do you, is it on your like Samsung TV? Do you have a Samsung TV yeah. or? Yeah. Oh, okay. I have, well, actually, I... I have so LG and I have a Samsung. Uh, Samsung yesterday it was HBO Now and then like at midnight, it turned into pumpkin, yeah, and now it is HBO Max. It was, it was done on its own. Nice. Yeah, I have to use my phone and cast it to my Chromecast, which it's small steps, small potatoes. But uh, yeah, I really am enjoying it so far. They have a ton of content, and HBO is my favorite out of all of the streaming services anyways, so this is just uh, the icing on the cake. Plus, I get mine for free, so I'm pretty happy. I'm sure you paid for it in some way. Well, I mean, it's just through my... No such uh, thing as a free lunch. Se- that's true. All right, Econ 101. It's uh, my cell phone provider, uh, AT&T, because they own HBO. So uh, speaking of that, though, what have you been watching? Oh, man, Friday, I fucking watched like a thousand movies <laughs> in a 24-hour period. I watched uh, School of Rock, Jaws, fucking Die Hard with a Vengeance, and Signs. And one other movie that escapes me, I can't remember. I was trying to remember on Geek Legacy the other day, but I couldn't. It escaped me. I have no clue. And then today, I watched uh, Seven Samurai, Akira Kurosawa, on HBO Max. Nice. Yeah, good list. Three and a half hours of subtitles and samurais killing each other. Samurais and subtitles sounds like my yes. typical Wednesday. So that's good stuff, man. I hadn't seen it in like twenty years, and I enjoyed the shit out of it. Yeah, I've never seen it, so I am going to watch it. I did not know it was on HBO Max. You mentioned it today, but I thought it was something that I would have to wait on one of the the myriad of uh, s- streaming services that I have. But now that I know that's on HBO, I'm pretty excited. So that's cool. Yeah. Do it. What have you been watching? I watched That Thing You Do. Uh, absolutely adore that movie. I think it's an underrated Tom Hanks film. <laughs> I but But is it really a Tom Hanks film? Because he's in it and he directed it. But he's not the star of it. Would you consider it a Tom Hanks film? Absolutely. I mean, when talking about Christopher Nolan film, same thing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I love that Tarantino movie. Like, film. You refer to the director. Yeah. I don't understand your argument. You're making me mad. And we're only like eight minutes into it. If it's the director's movie, then it's their movie. I was going to call it a Steve Zahn movie, but yeah, or an Ethan Embry movie, but whatever. So uh, I watched that. I watched uh, Miracle with uh, your buddy, Kurt Russell. Yeah, and then, yeah, it was a good one. And then I watched Hardball with your other buddy, 
uh, Keanu Reeves. Keanu. I watched RoboCop 2 because I watched RoboCop <laughs> 1 last week. So that movie used to terrify me as a kid because because of the little drug dealer kid and how ultra violent it was. That movie scared mm-hmm. the shit out of me when I was a kid. What yeah. were you going to say? I was going to say I saw it twice. Once was at the drive-in and the other was at that awesome theater where the roof fell. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh. Holy oh. shit. Yeah. So RoboCop 2. It's a good one. You should go see it. And then uh, this is a movie that I will not recommend to anybody, but it's called The Lodge. And I was very, very hyped about this movie. Uh, it's on Hulu. So if you're crazy enough to check it out, go ahead. But uh, this is a horrible movie. I love the, the the premise of it. I love the idea. It was so freaking boring. And the payoff was awful. I thought the acting was atrocious. It reminded me of It Comes at Night. Except I think It Comes at Night might have been better than The Lodge. And you and I both no. do not like that movie. So that's... I The entire time... Like about halfway through the movie, I'm like, okay, I kind of see what they're doing, but I was still really bored. And then once it ended, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) I was so angry. (laughs) Sorry to curse, but I was so angry. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, avoid that movie. It's on Hulu. If you're crazy enough to watch it, then sure. But have fun wasting two hours of your life. Yeah, that's too bad. I I apologize. You did not enjoy it. (laughs) It's definitely your fault. Definitely your fault. Well, when I was watching Signs. I was like, fuck, I like this movie a lot. It's so much fun. I was watching mm-hmm. it in like total dark and when like they're in the corn and and running around and getting scared and the flashlight goes out. I'm like, oh, man, that's scary. That would freak me out in real life. And then Joaquin Phoenix is just such an amazing actor. That guy just um, blows me away every time I watch him in a performance. I try so hard. I used to love impersonating him, but now I just make myself laugh like an idiot. And it's so terrible. <sighs> but I love <laughs> Joaquin. And he is so funny. He's like, excluding the Scandinavian female Olympian. Who else could have jumped up <laughs> on that room? <laughs> She's like, uh, I don't appreciate your sarcasm. <laughs> Uh, that's a good one too. Yeah, you're right. It is a good one. It's fun. I dig it. It's just uh, it's unfortunate that that Mel Gibson is a real piece of shit. He is a piece of shit. It's hard for me to enjoy it when I know how terrible he is, and that this <laughs> bothers me. Like, man, yeah. you gotta ruin everything. So, <laughs> anyway, I don't even know why I gave it the time of day. I was just in a in a very selective mood on Friday, and uh, I was just plowing through motion picture shows. And that made the cut. Yeah. So much so that I wanted to talk about it on this podcast. But then you were like, we've already done an M. Night Shyamalan movie. I'm like, you're right. Plus, Mel Gibson's a fucker. And I shouldn't even waste my time talking about him. <laughs> you would just get angry. I know you would. I know. I get angry. I know I'll your my body. Shirt in half. Yes. <laughs> Every inch. I send you photos. <laughs> and samples. <laughs> Biopsies. I'm going to send away for a kit. Anyway, <laughs> like Knight Rider Kit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sat in Kit once at the Universal Studios. It was crazy. <laughs> he talks, Hello, Justin. <laughs> I'm like, hi. Uh, no, he doesn't say my name though. He's just, he kept calling me Michael. I'm like, dude, it's Justin. <laughs> what the problem is? <laughs> Get it right, stupid car. I need to try to turn it off and on again. Unplug it. Wait thirty seconds and go. <laughs> Yeah, what a jack. Anyway, so are you ready to to plug on about the motion picture show? Hell yeah. Are you ready for this? We are going to do Sin City, directed by Frank Miller, Robert Rodriguez, and a special guest spot with Quentin Tarantino. It's a lot of people in charge of a movie. (laughs) Written by Frank Miller, based off of uh, his graphic novels, of course. Um, The cast includes... This is quite an ensemble cast. Are you ready? I will I will rapid fire this micro machine style. We got Bruce Willis, <laughs> Mickey Rourke, Clive Owen, Jessica Alba, Benicio del Toro, Rosario Dawson, Brittany Murphy, Michael Clark Duncan, Powers Booth, Josh Harnett, uh, Rutger Hauer, Alexis Bledel, Jamie King, Nick Stahl, Devin Aoki, Elijah Wood, and Carla Gugino. Damn. It's a stack cast. Yes. A couple of them aren't alive anymore. We lost uh, Brittany Murphy, Michael Clark Duncan, Powers Booth, and Rutger Hauer. Oh, yeah. That's sad. 
Dude, I was devastated when Brittany Murphy passed away. King of the Hill yeah. is like my all-time favorite show. I love Brittany Murphy. She's so adorable and uh, very talented. She's a singer, actress, and um, brilliant. And uh, she was taken from us way too early. Way too early. She wasn't even 30 yet, was she? I don't think so. She might have just been 30. Hmm. Okay. Hi. She was because she's older. She's older than me, and so, mm-hmm. and I know that she died, um, in the tens. How did know, she like, die? Uh, uh, it was the complications of like from pneumonia. She never went to the hospital. Her husband Ugh. at the time was like a paranoid schizophrenic, and he was, thought people were after them, so he wouldn't let her go to the hospital, and she died. That is so freaking heartbreaking. Yeah. Oh my god. It was like a, I think like 2013, maybe when she passed away. I don't know, but I know she was. She's a couple years older than me, so she was definitely past thirty. But definitely sad, horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the cast, you're right, uh, absolutely amazing. Um, Mickey Rourke. This is a guy that used to be like a total babe, and then he got like botched plastic surgery, and kind of turned into like turn away, I'm a monster kind of thing. <laughs> and it's really sad. But he has since been. It looks like he's been uh, had adjustments made, and he looks a little bit better. But. Um, Holy smokes. If you were to look at a photo of him today versus, let's say, 1990, he looked like a like a young Bruce Willis kind of thing. Like, I don't know if you ever saw Harley Davidson, the Marlboro Man, um, but he was a total babe. And then, then he turned into Marv. <laughs> Do you remember and, that, uh, that 80s movie with a whole bunch of like A-listers? Mickey Rourke, Steve Gutenberg, um, oh God, I think like. Jason Patrick or something were in it and it took place in I think like Pittsburgh or something and they were all um, it took place in a diner like they were all homies in a diner I cannot remember what movie it is it's gonna drive me crazy but anyways he's in that one too and he looks way different than uh than Sin City and his right. and like the expendables and stuff I thought he got in a car accident I mean he might have but then uh, oh okay either way the 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 surgery that he got he looked like a different person afterwards. <laughs> mm-hmm. Things change. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than that, the, the cast is amazing. Everyone has a really does a, it, It's interesting that there's this many people in in this movie. There are a lot of characters, a lot of moving parts. Um, but one thing that, that and I saw this was in your notes too. I just want to touch on it really fast. That it does feel like they a lot of them are just phoning it in, especially at the beginning with with Michael Madsen. It looks like he's literally <laughs> reading off a card. His <laughs> lines. I'm like, what the fuck, dude? You got like eight seconds worth of dialogue. You couldn't have memorized that. It literally looks like he's phoning it in, or maybe someone's just like walkie talking it to him, and he's yeah. repeating the lines. It's terrible. Hardigan, where are you going? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> you got a bum ticker there. <laughs> Tap dancing Christ. Anyway, so that that just bothered me. I just want to get that out. If I'm about to read critical reception, if anybody touches on some of the performances in these reviews, I'm probably going to agree with them if they say that they were not so good. Minus uh, Mickey Rourke, I think he is uh, is a slam dunk in this movie, and probably the best thing about this movie. Ooh. But I digress. Um, Richard Corliss from Time Magazine. For all its astronomical body count, Sin City is brazenly, thrillingly alive. How about that? A lot of adjectives there. <laughs> well, let's say here. J.R. Jones from Chicago Reader. A worthwhile piece of eye candy. <laughs> thought that was going to go a different way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, piece of eye candy there. Like me. No. Like, like me, Zach. <laughs> That Veronica Vaughn is one piece of ass. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Mark Stain from The Spectator. Here, Miller's starting from scratch, and sadly, he's got nothing to say. Ooh. Wow. He didn't like it at all. No. That's a... That is a rotten tomate. Let's see here. Trevor Johnston. While the book succeeded in pushing the boundaries in its medium, the film merely feels like a triumph of technology. Wow. Kind of like Avatar. All flash. No substance. Yeah. So, I think that's uh, that's pretty fair. Uh, does your notes have the box office? It does. Okay, cool. So, a budget of $40 million. Not too shabby. 
Uh, opening weekend, it did $28 million here in the United States. Grossed $74 million here in the U.S. With a worldwide uh, gross of $158.7 million. And enough to warrant a sequel roughly 10 years later. Yeah. I'd say that's pretty successful. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, that, that Mickey Rourke movie I was thinking about where they're all friends in a diner, it's simply called Diner. And I'm an idiot. So, yeah, it had Steve Gutenberg, Paul Reiser, Daniel Stern, Kevin Bacon. Yeah, it's a good one. You should see. I love all those people. <laughs> yeah, I know. right? I've never seen it. <clears throat> yeah, it's uh, it's from 1982. So it's a good year. Good year. But uh, anyhow, this uh, couple quick little facts. Robert Rodriguez has said that he does not consider this movie to be an adaptation so much as a translation. This is why there is no screenwriting in the credits. The only mention of writing is Frank Miller as the creator of the graphic novels. So, hmm. yeah. Did, did you read the graphic novels? I did not. I So, The Dark Knight Returns, I definitely read. It's one of my favorite Batman comic graphic novels like ever. Uh, but I did not read like 300, nor did I read oh, Sin City. Yeah, I mean, I I only knew about Frank Miller through Batman and also through 300 and and this movie. Uh, he was a he was a hot commodity there, and then he just kind of fell off the cliff. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's been writing a long time. I so I had sure. read um, the so some of the the stories that this particular movie focuses on are um, the Hard Goodbye, the Big Fat Kill, and that Yellow Bastard. Mm-hmm. Um, I had read. The Hard Goodbye, which is the first one in the series, actually. And that's Marv's story. And I was, I was doing that in order, by the way. Then uh, The Big Fat Kill is Dwight's story. And then That Yellow Bastard is Hardigan's story. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so after I read The Hard Goodbye, um, I had also picked up A Dane to Kill. And uh, those are the only two that I ever read, were those two. And um, I really, really enjoyed The Hard Goodbye. But a Dame to Kill for I just couldn't really get into, which actually takes place before the big fat kill. You'll notice in the movie when she's talking when when um, oh gosh Rosario Dawson is telling um, Clive Owen like you know you got a new face that's because he got shot up really bad and beat up and thrown out a window in right. the kill. <laughs> so yeah, he, there, he got a new face. <laughs> there was a lot of allusion to. Uh, to prequel stuff. So things about, you know, like how Marv basically was friends with uh, Nancy and how he roughed up some people. And then he would, he would allude to various um, things that would go on and then right. his, his life, like in prison or whatever. So it, it definitely left room for, for people who are interested in it to reach out and go read the graphic novels or wait till the movie came out 10 years later. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So um, <clears throat> Christopher Walken, Willem Dafoe, your buddy, Steve Buscemi. I'm just going to keep saying your buddy. And Michael Douglas. That's were, my line. <laughs> I know. do that. I know. Were originally offered roles. Also, all four of those, all four of your buddies were offered roles. Uh, Douglas was offered the role of Hardigan. Buscemi was offered the part of Rourke Jr. when he became the Yellow Bastard. And Dafoe and Walken were offered the role of Senator Rourke. Interesting. So with that one, I just have a quick question for you. Um, what other actors would you like to see in this movie? And they don't have to be specifically for the the parts, but what actors would, do you think would be good in, in the original Sin City? Oh, man, I, I don't even know. I could not. I haven't put any thought of that, and I can't give you an answer. I apologize. <laughs> oh, you know what? I have one. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I go ahead. I just thought of one. Um, I would say Michael Bean. Um, I think he would have been a really good... Um, Rourke, uh, I think, because now that he, he would have been older, um, in two thousand and five, and I think he could have played that role. Or the um, go ahead. He did a good job in uh, the Grindhouse movies. He was uh, yeah. he works with Tarantino and Rodriguez quite a bit. So yeah, he was like a sheriff. Mm-hmm. Do you remember anything? Yeah, yeah. So there you go. There's my answer. I was gonna say Nicolas Cage, uh, Sly Stallone. I think would be really good. Denzel Washington would be fun because you get a fantastic actor. And if he just played, I don't know, like a quiet guy, I think that'd be cool. Leo DiCaprio. Actually, Leo DiCaprio was offered the role of Rourke ah, Rourke Jr., but he turned it down. Uh, Cynthia Revo would be fantastic. And Charlize Theron would be incredible. Yeah, she's great at everything she does. Exactly. I think Denzel could have been a good Hardigan. (laughs) Ooh, that would have been freaking awesome. Oh, my God. That would have been so cool. He'd be like. Paint this like I'm a five-year-old. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. In Philadelphia. Yeah. 
Okay, okay. <laughs> oh man, De- like Denzel's it. so good. Creasy Bear. All right. Mm. So uh, here's here's my quick synopsis since last week's one was uh, very long, but this is it good. was it was really long. I'm still listening to it. Cool. All right. So Sin City is a breeding ground for the criminals, prostitutes, scumbags, and the rotten. A city where a hitman seduces women, luring them into grand illusions of love right before he murders them. A city where a cop named Hartigan saves a little girl from being raped by a senator's untouchable son, only to have the murder pinned on him. A city where a brute named Marv shares a night with a dame named Goldie and wakes up to find her dead, sparking his murderous revenge spree. A city where a tough guy named Dwight joins the working gals of Old Town as they dispose of dirty cops and the mob. These four tales are told through the gruesome, macabre, and groundbreaking visual styles taken directly from the graphic novel. These are tales of revenge, heartache, sorrow, regret, and ultimately joy. These are tales where the good guy doesn't always win. But then again, who is really good in Sin City? Boom. Written by Mr. Zachary Darnell Food Court. So. It's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Come on, we should go see. So let's, ju- let's jump into it. So uh, when was the first time you saw this and uh, what did you think of it then and what do you think of it now? I saw opening weekend and uh, I think I actually got to like a a little preview night because um, it was the night that Star Wars Revenge of the Sith toys went available on sale Um, and it was that happened at midnight. And so this movie started at 10 and it's too long and I I missed the, the midnight window to go toy shopping with Dave and Randy. And so I had to hear all about it the next day. <laughs> <laughs> Boys and their toys. Yeah. So oh, that was fun. What did you think of it then? And what do you think of it now? I really enjoyed it when I first saw it. That was great. I, I hadn't seen anything like it before. It looked like the, the graphic novel come to life, especially with the, the monochromatic look and the, the black and white. And that it was, it really popped on screen. Uh, watching it on I don't know, Sunday or Monday, whenever that was, um, I wasn't into it as much as I was 15 years ago. Not going to lie. In fact, by the time it got to Hardigan's uh, wrapping up stage, I was ready for the movie to be over. In fact, I don't even need Hardigan's story. If I were to rewatch it again right now, I would stop after Dwight's little bit. Interesting. Maybe you should yeah. stop texting everybody while you're watching movies. I don't do that. <laughs> Bidding on things on eBay for some reason. Oh man, there was this, <laughs> there's a part though. It was so funny. I almost recorded this bit that um in in Dwight's scene when um the the mob comes in and and they grab Rosario Dawson like uh, Michael Clark Duncan like slaps her, knocks her down, and then there's a little tiny man that goes to grab her and he like starts air thrusting. <laughs> it's the most ridiculous thing ever. <laughs> and uh, I almost rewound it and recorded it for you. But because I keep my phone in another room when I'm watching movies, I was like, eh, I'm not going to get up. <laughs> I don't know so about I all left, that. Though. I left it going. <laughs> it's like yeah. uh, the, the bodybuilder in Thelma and Louise for some random reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the guy's working out. <laughs> that was you know, so that weird. That little guy is in, um, He's the same little dude that's in uh, Kill Bill Volume 2 when Michael Madsen is burying uh, Beatrix Kiddo alive. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's the one that she's like the the hottest piece of whatever. And he's oh, like, yeah. I, see, I seem better. <laughs> he says, I seem <laughs> better. It was great. What a dick. Terrible man, uh, yeah. yeah. I saw this in 2005, and I saw it uh, pretty much opening month or weekend or whatever it came out, and I saw it with my with my then friend Ben. That rhymed. He uh, he liked it a lot. So did I. And then it'd been a couple times that I'd seen it afterwards, and I I think I liked it. But it's been over 10 years since I've watched it last, and so watching it again, uh, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, I, I I don't think it's like absolutely incredible. I don't think it's a masterpiece or anything, but I really enjoy what it did. Uh, stylistically for the genre of comic book films. And I really enjoyed uh, watching it. It just, it it felt like a a fun movie. I wasn't bored at all with it. So, but yeah, Uh, this movie, it's, it's stacked. Like you, you read off all those names. It's stacked with an ensemble all-star cast of Hollywood A and B listers. Do you think that that helped the film? And would this be a different movie if it 
weren't filled with so many well-known celebrities? And I'm asking you. Um, I, I think it was good for it. I, I, I can't imagine it done any other way. I mean, in 2005, not all of these people were, uh, you know, well-known. Uh, I mean, obviously, some of the older folks were. Right. Um, but, I mean, I, no, I, th- I think it's a pretty good mix. I mean, like like Jamie King, Nick Stahl, um, you know, they, they're not like... Even Clive Owen at the time, you know, he had started to finally got his breakout role with like um, King Arthur. Um, so I, I don't know. I feel like a lot of this is a pretty good mix. Alexis Bledel, she she kind of eventually became famous, right? With like Gilmore Girls. Yeah, but she was already popular by then. And same with Jamie King. She was on she was on MTV and uh, Nick Stahl just came off a couple of movies and he was in uh, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines and stuff. I, so. I, I know that, but not everybody knows their name is what I'm saying. They're not like True. household names, True. I guess, is the point that I was trying to make. Yeah, and I failed at it miserably. But um, no, you, you, that's that makes I don't sense. I don't know the answer. I think everyone was perfect and I don't can't imagine anybody else ever doing it ever again. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think if this was a, a movie of of absolute no names, I mean, you always want to give someone a chance, especially in a movie with so many characters in it. But I think that that was the draw. And obviously, you know, you had your biggest Bruce Willis. You had your Benicio del Toro because he was even coming off some pretty hot movies um, like traffic and such. But uh, yeah, you have your, your your big name actors who are in the leads. And uh, I think that just kind of draws people in, even with A Dame to Kill. That had like Josh Brolin and it had uh, Mickey Rourke reprising role, Rosario Dawson. I think Bruce Willis was in that one too. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. But yeah, if this were a movie filled with a bunch of unknowns, it might have been a little different. And I think one of the things that's interesting about this cast is that there's a couple of these people that really bring out the best in others. And I think that Mickey Rourke and Powers Booth and Rudger Hauer uh, and Benicio Del Toro are all those people. I think that when they share a scene with somebody that elevates both performances. I agree. Benicio is so good. That guy is, I, I don't know if I've seen a bad Benicio del Toro film. Not that I can think of it, at least, but yeah. And then like, I mean, like I was saying too. So I think uh, the reasoning for the thing that was bugging me about the, uh, during the film is a lot of the, the actors felt like they were just reading the lines right off a teleprompter or they're verbatim from a script or something. And like, I understand that it's from a graphic novel and so it was kind of distracting, but maybe that was just, I needed to take a deep breath and realize that they were being true to the source material. So it, it was pretty annoying at times when they'd be, yeah, real hard sucker over here or whatever. They'd say. <laughs> so are, are you familiar with uh, David Mamet by chance? No. Uh, writer. Uh, so a lot of his movies come off like um, like plays. Um, like he did Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Um, I think he did, um, God, what the hell was that? Uh, Bluxy Blues. Um, he just does, a, a lot of his dialogue reads like it's a play. And that's very much what this is like with the comic book. Do you think it's distracting like in Glenn Gary, Glenn, Gary, Glenn Ross? No, because there's, there's a beat to it. Um, oh, okay. Okay. I don't know if you've seen it, but it flows really, really well, and it and it's weird. You know, it is weird because it's an all male cast. Yeah. But like, um, there's only a handful of settings. There's a there's a restaurant, and there's their office, and then there's like outside their office and the and inside a car. There's and maybe like one or two house visits, but like at the end of the day, there's only a handful of of locales. And so it uh, finds a way to be interesting. It just like when you're watching a play, they, it all tends to take place in one spot, right? You know, they, they move out a handful of set pieces, but you have to try really hard to pretend that that's where they're at. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but I think that Mamet is a lot like that. Interesting. There's a beat to it. Yeah. No, I think you're right. So did you see A Dame to Kill, the sequel? No, I wasn't okay. going to do it. Neither was I. And I just was kind of, it, it had been too long, so I lost interest. Uh, it did not get great reviews. I think it got about a six out of 10 on IMDb. But why do you think that, I mean, with us, neither neither of us seen it. Why do you think it didn't work? 
Uh, did you see The Spirit by chance? No, but I know what that was. The one with Sam Jackson and uh, a couple other folks. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, that movie was terrible. And so I, I, it's almost like it was a one-trick pony. And mm-hmm. if you liked it and then you enjoyed it, then that was enough for you. You didn't need another one. It's not kind of like, like Avatar. Jaws three or four. <laughs> 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 yeah, like Avatar there. Um, so I, I think that that the spirit, I mean, I can speak for myself. I can't speak for the, the billions of people that Sarah Connor saved, but the, um, <laughs> you like that? So, that was pretty good, right? Uh, that was good. So, it's a good one. You can, have <laughs> you can have it. You're welcome. As she says in, in that in the last Terminator movie, yeah, we saved 3 billion lives. You're welcome. Um, appreciate it. Anyway. Um, I hated that movie. I hated Spirit. I thought it was the worst thing I'd seen in a long, long time. I was not a fan. And I, while I can appreciate all the hard work that went into making it, it was not my cup of tea. And after that, I was not interested in another movie that was in the same vein. So whether Spirit is is that sort of spiritual successor in that same universe, blah, 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 I was over it. I got my fill with Sin City. They also did uh, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow in in that same kind of uh, style. I know it was it wasn't yeah, like that, a Frank that, Miller. That's like a pulpy. Joint, but... Yeah, that's yeah. that's yeah. That one's a little bit different though. Um, that one's kind of in the vein of like the Rocketeer or like the First sure. Avenger. Yeah. Uh, okay. Captain America: The First Avenger it has that pulpy that like nineteen forties pulpy look, mm-hmm. and um, it's a to me the 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 color palette's a little bit different. And I actually like, I, I forgot that was even a movie, Sky Captain mm-hmm. in the World Tomorrow. Holy shit. I actually enjoyed that movie. I, I mean, I only saw it once and it was a red box, but uh, I remember enjoying it. Caught me off, uh, caught me off guard. Yeah, it's got your buddy there, Jude Law, you know? Oh, I like Jude Law. <laughs> uh, so the, the noir aspect, I think, in, in this movie it was one of my favorite things. I, I love noir films and uh, they just, I don't know. They just they resonate well. But do you think that this Sin City could be made into a TV show? And would you watch it? Um, I could probably give it a go. Like it was an HBO show kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. That was going to be my next question is what what network do you think you could see it on? Sure. I mean, the only thing is um, these are these are short stories and I don't need it to be long and drawn out. And for the sake of. Uh, like Marv's story, The Hard Goodbye, is like 35, 40 minutes of the movie, right? And I got my fill of it. If it's an hour-long show with new characters and new murder mysteries and new scandals, uh, it could be good, I suppose, but um, it might be tricky to do. No, I mean, I mean, do it like almost anthology series. So, So you do... Well, and they all don't need to intertwine at all. I mean, you can have little overlapping stories here and there, but they're all their own sort of thing. And they could be 30 well, I, minutes. I guess, what, I guess what I'm saying is, are you talking about creating brand new stories or are you talking about retelling the Sin City graphic novels? Because if you are, I'm telling you, there's not enough content there because we got Marv's story in 30 minutes. So I don't know how to understand how many episodes you want to do. Do you want each each episode to be one story? I think a combination of both, because I think that Frank Miller still has other ideas that he could develop off of this. I mean, look at the success of Watchmen, right? So that was its own thing. That was like a brand new thing that uh, they they spawned off of it. And uh, I, I loved Watchmen. I thought it was absolutely remarkable. And it was a 10 episode show. And I thought it was just one of the most perfect shows I've seen in a very long time. So I, I think that looking at that formula for how to do a spinoff, would be would be great. And I think that there's a lot of material and a lot of characters you could develop from Sin City. So you would have to obviously work with Frank Miller, but you could do a little combination of both. I'm more just like hypothetically saying, like, would you be interested if they're like, hey, Sin City coming to HBO? Right. And so what I'm saying is if it were new characters and new stories, then yes, I would be interested. I am not interested in 10 episodes telling Marv's story that takes 
30 to 40 minutes. <laughs> sure, That's sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, we're in the same boat then because I, yeah, I want new characters, new storylines, and, and I want to have something different each one. And they can intertwine a little bit, but I want something different on each one. You know what I mean? Right. It, it could, each episode could be its own standalone thing for all I care. It could be like Twilight Zone where it's a, a whatever, a 40 minute episode mm-hmm. that gives me some thrill. And yeah. then uh, it all be in the same universe. And maybe when they go into a restaurant or a bar, I see a, a familiar character, but they don't necessarily have an interaction with them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just like how in Sin City it was at the bar where Dwight and Marv are friends and they hang out and they go on adventures together. But in this movie, they don't. They're just like, oh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> you know, one's at the bar and the other one's at a at a booth. Like when Brittany Murphy was working as a waitress at a cocktail bar. Exactly. That much is true. <laughs> so uh what was your favorite storyline out of them uh definitely marv's story uh that is hands down my favorite i think it's great he is uh dwight's character puts it pretty nicely when he says he's the only thing he's guilty of is being born in the wrong century he would have done really mm-hmm. well being like a gladiator um i think that was perfect he, he was an innocent man that was hell-bent on avenging the one person that was nice to him in his entire life. I thought that was beautiful. Um, and then I really, really, really like the scene with Brittany Murphy taunting um, Benicio Del Toro, Jackie boy. I think it's so great when she's like, I got the whole team up in here. <laughs> you know, like I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just trying to make him jealous. Um, you know, she's, She's in the movie for five minutes and she just steals that whole scene. She's great. And she's she's in the same room with with Benicio Del Toro and Clive Owen. And she she just totally knocks them both you know, out of the water. She was amazing. She was dynamite in that scene. Yeah. Well, then, so who were your favorite characters and and why? Uh, my favorite characters are um, Shelling. Uh, which is mm-hmm. Brittany Murphy, then Dwight, Clive Owen, and um, Mickey Rourke as Marv. Those okay. three are my favorite, uh, mainly because uh, I think they're the most likable. I think we get to n- we can sympathize with all three of those more than any other. Just I, I would argue that yes, you could sympathize with Jessica Alba, but um, more so the little girl than the character. Not so much uh, Jessica Alba. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. No, no, I agree Na- with you. Nancy or whatever. Yeah. Nancy. Skinny little Nancy. So I think I liked Marv's story the best. I agree with you. Uh, I think that his story was the most uh, entertaining and it was just a pure revenge story. I really like the Wes Anderson moment where they, they zoom in. He's like, barbed wire, gloves, hammer, right. axe. <laughs> like, I was like, okay, yeah. Wes. That was that's really like a, cool. I, and that's always common when a hero is like getting ready to go on yep. their adventure and suiting up. That's we've talked about that being like our favorite part in those like adventure slash like commando movies. Totally. So uh, he, he was just, this, you know, this brawler. And I, I really liked how it was essentially he was like a kamikaze revenge story. Like he knew he was going to die at a certain point, but he's like, fuck it. I have nothing else to live for. And that was I thought that was really cool. But my favorite mm-hmm. character was probably Hardigan, because I think that Bruce Willis was this role was chiseled for Bruce Willis. He, for some reason, I don't, I don't know what it was. Maybe from like 2000 to 2020, Bruce Willis always plays an old man where he's like, Oh, I'm retired cop or whatever. I just think it, it fit him so well to play hard again. And I really liked his voiceover narration. Cause he was that, that Maltese Falcon, that old school noir detective. So, uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I think Hardigan was probably my favorite character. Sam Spade. Yeah, there you go. So That's- that's the detective in Maltese Falcon. No, I know. But yeah. Do you, here's, here's a quick question too. So obviously there's a lot of dames, a lot of gals in this. Do you mm-hmm. feel that the women in this film were over-sexualized? Uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, they're all playing uh, like prostitutes, you know, like ladies, ladies of the night, I guess. And so they were definitely... Uh, you know, the camera was not shy in showing off, you know, their, their beautiful features. Yeah, there was, there was not a lot of nudity. I think there was some tasteful nudity because I mean, Marv was, you know, when he's explaining Jamie King and how perfect she was, this goddess, it was in his, his own perception of what she was. And then even uh, Carla Gugino, 
his parole officer. He's like, you know, just with a body like that. Why is she? Why is she a lesbian? And I mean, there's yeah, like the choice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I, I mean, I think that's just that gives an insight onto how he kind of views certain things. I mean, other than that, you know, the the, the I mean, Jessica working... Alba's dance is pretty hot, dude. Like, yeah. Uh, and the camera knows that. You know, but it's, she's it's making the audience eat that up. Everyone in that bar and everyone watching on their TV was staring at Jessica Alba doing that dance. Sure. But she wasn't like naked or anything. She was in, you know, no. this cowgirl outfit. So I think there was some uh, respectfulness to to the the sexuality. Uh, but I do think that all of these women, they were shown. Well, the majority of these women were shown as pretty capable and strong. I mean, even even Brittany Murphy, you know, she's she's basically throwing it right back at, at Jackie boy. And uh, and then when that fat mobster guy is saying like, oh, I'll give you something. And she's like, I'll cut your little pecker off. Right. She's not this this weak gal. Uh, and then same with all the old town girls. Like, obviously, they own that whole area and they were super badass. Goldie was just looking for protection. She that didn't show that she was incapable, and her sister was just as strong too. So I I, I don't think it's necessarily over sexualizing them. Um, I think that m- most of these main characters, their weakness were these women, and I think that the women knew that and they used it to their advantage. That's just my opinion. Sure, but yeah, but I did. I mean all of them were, were just beautiful. I mean, I, I had this huge crush on Alexis Bledel from when I was, when I was a young lad, I just thought she was so beautiful. And when I saw her in this, I was like, Oh, this is great. But she ended up being an awful person. Yeah. And she has like a, she has like a country bumpkin accent. <laughs> yeah. It's weird. I mean, I think she's from Texas, but it's just weird that it's in this big city and she's like, you know, some's call me Mary. Some's call me Sarah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you've ever seen Huckleberry Finn with Elijah Wood, <laughs> Uh, that's a fun quote. Anyway, Elijah Wood was good uh, in it too in this movie. Too. He was a creeper, man. He I was hated super looking at creepy. Him. I know. I hated, hated it. Gross, gross, yeah. gross. Uh, Rosario Dawson was was fantastic. I, I've seen. I mean, she's been great in so many movies, but I think she's beautiful. I think she's strong. I like Rosario a lot. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who else was really in it. Oh, I said Devin Devin Aoki was great. Miho, I loved that she didn't say a single word yet. She was like thoroughly deadly. Mm-hmm. That was really really cool. But yeah, I mean, I mean, for, for me, I'll just basically say why I like this. I never really got bored or I never really checked the time because I actually do keep my phone with me when I watch movies. And I know that you're a liar for saying that you keep it in the other room. But <laughs> when I, for the podcast, I always have it. in the other Oh, room. for the podcast, maybe not. Yeah, yeah I was going to say you always like uh, send me pictures like last night, like it's dead. <laughs> like, I, I wasn't even stuff. watching the movie. I, I just I just put it oh. on. That one oh. part, yeah, for the I podcast. Wasn't the movie. Oh, that makes sense. I thought you meant just like movies in general. I'm like, what? no, no. I saw, I saw, I saw the Die Hard <laughs> movies were on HBO, and so I literally oh. just jumped to that scene. And that's why I was on my computer. Like I wasn't watching it on my TV. I was at my yeah. desk. ILD the whole system. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And uh, then, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. The overall visual style of the film was it was it was just like anything I'd unlike anything I'd seen at the time. It reminded me of uh, Speed Racer, actually. You know how like over the top and comic booky Speed Racer was, but that was perfect because it fit the medium of its source material. Like Speed Racer was a cartoon, so it needed to be like that. But yeah, I really liked the the monochromatic. Uh, color of blood. I thought that was cool because that was how they could get around a NC-17 rating, basically. It was a pretty gory movie, but you didn't see red blood as often. So. Yeah. What about you? Did you have anything else? No, I don't. I don't need to watch this movie anymore. I'm done with it. <laughs> you know, this this reminded me kind of like Frank Miller's version of Pulp Fiction. That's what that's how I felt about it, because they there were these different stories that slightly intertwined but it, it kind of yeah, felt but like you know Pulp the book fiction. was written before Pulp Fiction, though. I understand, I understand. But what I'm saying is, like, it it just felt like his version of Pulp Fiction on on the screen. It just it had a lot of um, it was reminiscent of Pulp Fiction, is what I should say. So right, and yeah. I always think that 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 is one of the most unfair critiques. <laughs> I nice. know, I know. <laughs> I just I just feel like anytime someone were to mix up the narrative a little bit and it'd be a little less linear. All of a sudden it's a Pulp Fiction clone. And I don't think that that's fair. <laughs> the boondock saints. <laughs> Especially when the book was written before the movie. 
I know, I know. I'm it's just giving weird. you, I'm giving you my opinion on how I felt. Giving me it. the business, and I don't Give, appreciate. <laughs> giving you the biz. Okay, so you said you you never want to see this movie again. <laughs> uh, no. What uh, what's your? I don't rating? like that yellow bastard. He was weird. He's all so gross. He's very gross, and he's all fat he's all too. Lumpy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, dude, cut down on the donuts, bro. <laughs> cut down on the raping, too. Jesus yeah. Christ. Like, I can eat a sleeve of Ritz, and it's okay. <laughs> a but sleeve maybe of Ritz. You should, you should cut down to one sleeve. You look like a two Ritz kind of guy. <laughs> and we're going to need you down to one sleeve. With extra extra butter. <laughs> yeah. Double the butter. Oh, um, you know, cool. it's funny, because a lot of people are, are worried about... Uh, I was just watching Kirby Enthusiasm. This newest season, there's this whole episode about... Um, the cast not wanting to give up their weight to the pilot to for a safe flight. And everyone is very private when it comes to their weight. And I'm the asshole like at the warehouse that jumps on a on a scale and I'm like, guess how much I weigh? <laughs> it's, it's, it's designed for pallets, but I'm just like, you know, place your bets and yeah. no one can ever guess. It's amazing. <laughs> and they, they always under I mean they're very nice. They might just be really nice and just are trying to make me feel good, but um, I, it is very comforting when they throw out a number and I'm like 50 pounds. <laughs> I'm like, all right, you suck. <laughs> Not me for being fat, but you for being a terrible guesser. You would get fired at any carnival, my friend. <laughs> what is your, what's your uh, letter grade on this one then? On this one? Oh God, I'm like a C plus. Wow. Damn. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. I mean, uh, 2005, I probably wouldn't give it an A, but... Now, I don't know if I'm just more cynical or I don't got time for these two-hour and six-minute movies, but I I could have done without the entire Hardigan storyline. I was done after after uh, Jackie Boy was all taken care of. Yeah, you sound very clinical right now. Oh. I, give it a, I give it a B+. Plus. B+. Plus. How about I that? really liked it. Yeah, I really liked it. I would have given yeah. an A minus, but I gave it a B plus, just because an I a was A minus. Yeah. <laughs> you fucking serious? <laughs> yeah, give it a B plus no <laughs> for a for a Pulp Fiction clone. You're gonna give it a B plus. That's not how I sound. So mm. don't put words in Actually. my mouth. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> and apparently, <laughs> if they I've never seen part Pulp Fiction in front of Part B, then I would have given it an A minus. <laughs> I was scared half to death. <laughs> and I've never been on live television. Between oh, that shit. kid and the drove a long way to be here. <laughs> I think of Rob every time I think of that. Came a long way from Canada. <laughs> Took a long time to get here. <laughs> Sip. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. Oh, oh, shit. Do you have anything else to add? I don't think so. I think mm. I am. I am done with with the checking of the bags conversation. <laughs> I think I I'm over it. The uh the cast was 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 a fun cast. It had some really good moments. Uh the the standout is definitely Mickey Rourke. I think he nailed it, knocked it out of the park. And um and I never need to see it again. <laughs> Finn. B- dig a hole in the backyard and throw it in. And then Rizzo's gonna dig it up later. So she she doesn't dig. Oh, that's good then. You got a good one I dig, there. I dig better than she did. <laughs> I want to dig you, and I can't even lie about it. <laughs> so, anyhow, how about you take us home? You're so good at taking do us I home. Do I get to do that? Hell yeah, I never, bro. I never get to you do that. You say that every time, but you do it like every other episode. <laughs> I have proof, Justin. These podcasts don't, never, don't, don't go away. Uh, I'm, never, I'm never prepared. I'm never prepared. So, hey, uh, so this is actually episode number 51, and that's insane. I didn't realize that uh, our last one was episode 50. So this is crazy. We've been doing this for a while now. Did you know that it was 51? I did. I've been counting down (laughs) or up, I guess I should say. (laughs) You got a prison calendar. You just carve things into the wall. (laughs) Yeah, little niches. Notches. (laughs) Niches, notches. All right, notcher. Tomato, (laughs) tomato. Yeah, you should run the snake. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there you go with my Cessna. <laughs> yeah, Jesus I got my... Christ, Chappie! So I got three days. <laughs> That's such a good movie. By the way, uh, for all you, uh, what do you call it, Iron Eagle fans out there, I'll do you. You and me. <laughs> 
jackets. It's an exclusive club. We're going to get the jackets just like in the movie. <laughs> anyway, oh, yeah. there is another Jet movie out there uh, that's a little little worse. It's called Top Gun. And um, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to my amazing lyrics in last week's episode. That, <laughs> that was written, <laughs> literally written in the car. It took me so goddamn long to get home that night. It was a Friday. All I wanted to do was get the hell out of there. And see, I typically record the Pixelated podcast in the mornings. So I go to work late on Fridays. And so I get out just in time for the worst traffic in the world. And only driving... F- Driving 40 miles takes like upwards of three hours. Holy and it's terrible. Buckets. Yeah. You could literally watch like fucking Lord of the Rings. On you could the way watch home. the Seven Samurai. You could. <laughs> and, uh, but you, you wouldn't be able to read it though. This yeah, is true. Subtitles. I speak Japanese. And so I don't. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I thank you for listening to those amazing lyrics and, um, you know, share it with your friends. You know, let's. Uh, <laughs> Let's go viral. Anthony Edwards dies. That's that's what I do. Um, the better half of mine thinks I'm a little bit crazy town banana pants, but like I'll come home, she'll be like, hi baby, I'm like, hold on, let me just write this down really fast. And I'll, I was like literally singing those words over and over and over again in the car so I wouldn't forget. It is so cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's pretty good. I'm a, I'm a lyrical genius. <laughs> like you get the, the mu- Kanye. You get the music in your soul there. Yeah. And that's all we have for this episode of Don't Be Crazy. Thank you to Mr. Uh, Rob. You can follow him at Digifluid on Twitter. He is the one that gave us a recommendation for Sin City. We are always happy to take your recommendations. Remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod, at ZachDale60, and at EdgyArmo. And uh, we will talk movies, man. In the meantime, uh, thank you again for listening, and you have a wonderful week. Adios, amigos. Thank you so much. Ooh, he said it. <laughs>